Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Welcome, and uh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Such a good segue. So, so good. Hey, uh, really glad that you're here. And uh, um, all right. very important, very important call. Um, so we, we uh, last week, we good? <laughs> Apparently not. Man, one after another, after another, it's great. Hey, last week we, we started a series called Work, Wealth, and Worth. And in that discussion, we, we looked at the blueprint of our work. What's the blueprint of your work and my work? And one of the intentions of God was that we work. I don't know if you know, it's an unpopular thing not to work in 2023. It's a very popular thing just to not do anything. But God's intention is for us to work. And today we continue to build on that foundation uh, through the scripture, and so I, it was uh, it was my first it was my third day at a new job. Previously, I, I was a mental health case manager at a local mental health agency, and at that point, my my job allowed me to have discretion of my schedule. Uh, but when you go to juvenile court. You don't have that discretion. And on day three, the chief walked into my office with his coffee cup, passed my desk, went to the window without making eye contact, paused, and said, we start here at 7.30. Is that a problem? And then very tactfully took a sip out of his cup as a cue I need to answer <laughs> I said no sir alright then they walked right past my desk no eye contact and walked out my door and uh, in that moment as a 23 year old starting a new job I learned some very important lessons in life one we notice and we notice when you're late two when you're late lateness disrespects the leadership and lateness disrespects your teammates when you're late, you steal. Because we're paying you for a full eight-hour shift. 
And if you don't work three minutes of that eight-hour shift, we're giving you money for things you didn't do. But most importantly was the lesson that, you know what? When you're late, you lose credibility and influence on the people with whom you work with and work for. I sat at my desk red-faced, feeling the weight of his words. Because just several weeks prior to that, I went through two unnerving interviews with the chief and then with the chief and the judge. And both of them knew that I, I was a believer in Jesus Christ. Albeit, I was a four-year, in, uh, a four-year infant in my faith. I was not mature in my faith at all. I was learning, and I can't say that I'm, I'm as mature uh, as I'd like to be today. But I was four years in my journey with Jesus. And in the interview, they asked me, will your faith in Jesus Christ be a problem here? Meaning, this is a public job. You are a county employee, and you know that you cannot proselytize at this job so they knew they knew my heart my faith and three minutes late on day three I potentially could lose credibility and influence on my chief and on my teammates. That was a lesson that was really hard for me to wrap my head around. This morning, there are some clear lessons about work that I think all of us need to understand. Last week, through the blueprint of Genesis 2, 1 and 2, we understood that work, our work, is worship to our God. This morning we're going to step into a couple different stories from the scripture, but also from our friend, one of our friends this morning. So would you mind opening up to Luke chapter 5? Luke chapter 5. We're going to start there. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. If you have your Bible, please open there. If you have it on your phone, pull out your phone, open your app. If you don't have either one, there's a Bible in the pew before you. That's yours. Take it. That's from the people of Wapak Naz. And if you have your scrolls, you can open those as well. That would be great. I've never seen anybody do that yet. But Luke chapter 5, and if you don't have any of those, it's, it's up on the screen for you, okay? If you don't have any of those, it's right there. It says, one day, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Uh, that would be the lake, uh, or the Sea of Galilee. It's, a, it's another name for the Sea of Galilee. With people crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that would be Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, now notice, one, Luke doesn't even tell us what he was teaching. 
right? You ever wonder what Jesus is teaching? Luke just ignores it because he's getting to this part. He says, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep water. Let down the nets for a catch. And notice what Simon says. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. When Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. He said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. Heavenly Father, as we uh, step into this moment, into this reading, into this text, and this conversation, may what we prayed in our dangerous prayers happen for us. May we be in tune to your voice and to what it is you speak into our soul our spirit and Lord may we follow what it is that you speak so that we may be world changers in our little corner of the world it's in Jesus name that we pray amen so here we have Peter his brother Andrew James and John and possibly James and John's father, Zebedee. These are all business partners. They've just come through a night of fruitless fishing. They caught nothing. How many of you go through your workday going, I accomplished zero? Well, there you go. Right? Hopefully that's just every once in a while. Apparently, from the scriptures, Peter at least had two of those nights, Luke 5 and John 21. Maybe his family was a little emaciated. I don't know if he did his job very well. But this was one of those nights. And Jesus, on his morning stroll by the Sea of Galilee, I imagine this moment being full of people at the water's edge, getting their daily water, possibly from the sea. It's fresh water. Also, washing up they may be going down to meet the fishermen that are coming off the evening with the catch to to get the food for the morning breakfast and so jesus is having this morning stroll and he has this gravity that pulls people in i really hope and pray that we have that gravity as a church as a body of christ that people just become pulled in to what's going on in us and through us so the Son of God is just attracting people, and so he comes across these boats. Now, this isn't the first time he's met Peter. This isn't the first time he's met Andrew or, or James or John. And he comes across these boats that are empty because Peter, Andrew, James, John, they're washing their nets. It's not coincidental that he chooses Peter's boat. I mean, he's the son of God, for crying out loud. He's the all-knowing one, right? He steps over and gets into Peter's boat and says, Peter, put me out to shore. Like I said, Luke 
ignores what Jesus teaches. I imagine Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God and what it is to have heaven on earth. That's my guess. But afterward, afterward, he tells Peter, put out into deep water. So, Jesus, Peter, are in the boat. And I imagine from the rest of the the narrative, we find others in the boat together. Now, what's the point of the boat? This is Peter's office. You ever thought that the boat that Peter is in, it's it's his workspace. It's, It's his job. This is what he does to make a living. To feed his family and to have a 401k. Okay? This is the place where he does his work. It's like your cubicle. Your office. That five foot radius in the factory where your feet are on that mat. It's your mobile device where you're working out of the coffee shop or you're behind the the counter at the coffee shop making everybody's drinks, right? It's at your table where all your stuff is around. This is his workspace like your workspace. But did you notice as Peter was doing his job on his own, nothing happened? Again, this isn't this isn't the only time that nothing happened. John 21 is a very similar story. You should take a look at it and do some comparison. But here, Jesus is put out into deep water. Hey, and you know those nets that you were washing and putting away for the day? I need you to pull those out. And then, what I want you to do is take that net and throw it. Well, Master, We've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. We've just been spinning our wheels. But lo and behold, they throw the net because the Lord said so. Here's lesson number one. Since our work is worship with God, it is worship of God, there's something else that happens in our work And we kind of need to go back to the blueprint just for a moment. And I wonder, do you see it? Do you see it? So Genesis... Oh, we're too fast there. Wow, quick draw. All right, Genesis chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. It's on the screen for you. I wonder if if you see it. Remember, our blueprint from work is laid out, Genesis 1 and 2. And some of 3. It says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man. Now, we're reading a little ahead, but this is post the moment where God had formed and fashioned Adam out of the dust of the earth, breathed his breath of life into the nostrils of Adam. He became a living being. He wasn't this this zombie dude. And now he's a living being. And he, he put Adam into the garden that God had planted to tend to work, to cultivate, to serve the Lord. And then, God does this. It says, He brought them to the man to see 
what he would name them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave the names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. I'm really curious about this moment, but we don't have enough time for that. But I'm wondering, do you see the lesson, the blueprint for our work right here? It's kind of highlighted for us. He brought them to the man. Almost reminiscent of Noah and the ark. But this is before Noah and the ark. Where all the animals just show up, right? No, God brought them. This is a moment that God is bringing the animals before Adam. So that Adam can do a creative work. He can speak names over those animals, and those animals now hold those names. It's very similar to the act of Genesis 1. But what we see here, that's our blueprint for your work and my work, is that this is a partnership. This is a partnership between God and Adam. Your work is a partnership between you and God. How many of you have had that prayer session over and over and over again with God? God, I need this job. i got to have this job. Lord, I need it right now. It's going gonna, it's gonna to pay the bills. Them dollar bills. I'm going to have a little extra. I know, right? I'll hear that from Life Group in the fall. I'll have a little extra. We'll be able to take a vacation. I'll have some extra to put away. Lord, I need this job. We, how many of you prayed that prayer in some variation or form? But while you're on the job, God, you got me this job. I'm here. Let's partner together. Let's do this together, God. Uh, once we get the job, it's us, right? It's a DIY. Do it yourself, or DYI. Do, do, do it yourself. That's what we do. God, give me the job, and then we go and do the job ourselves. The blueprint for your work and my work is that it's a partnership. Well, that's easy for you to say, Pastor. You're a pastor. That's your job. It is a partnership with you and God. I'm at the factory. I'm at the cubicle. I'm at the school. I'm making coffee. I'm flipping burgers. I'm pushing buttons. Hmm. What do we see happen when it's a partnership with God and Peter, or with Jesus and Peter? The story goes. We'll bring it back up on the screen. Scripture says, when they had done so, when Peter partnered with Jesus and listened to the instruction, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. When we partner with God in the work that we do, because our work is worship of God, then our work becomes fruitful. Now, if I put a period at the end of this and said, amen, dismiss, 
you would think that this is a conversation about the prosperity gospel. Well, it's not. What happens to this catch? The very end of this, this is really slow. I'm sorry for the, there we go. At the end of this, Jesus says, "Hmm, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Good play on words will come to that. But notice what it says at the end of this story. So they pulled their boats, their office space, up on shore. That is full of fish. They left everything. Wait, you mean to tell me that Peter, James, John, Andrew, they worked hard all night. They didn't catch anything. And a huge catch that would actually be a a windfall for the family. They left it. Yeah. My guess is it probably fed a lot of people. It didn't just rot. But Peter, James, John, and Andrew, they left that job and left the fruitfulness of that job. Then maybe it's not about the finances to begin with. Maybe it's not about the 401k to begin with. Work equals worship. Worship of our God. Work is a partnership, a partnership with God. Maybe there's a completely different type of fruit that we're supposed to be working for. I'd like to invite Zach. Zach, come on down. Come on down. Zach, Zach, Zach. You're a good man. What are you wearing today, my friend? My uniform. Looks good. Thank you. You're rocking that, that neon out pretty well there. Oh, hi, Viz. Say what? Hi, Viz. Hi, okay, sure. I have no idea. <laughs> or hi, Viz, for safety. I'm going to come up with... I don't think I have your name up there. My bad. That's fine. Sorry. This is Zach. Uh, this is uh, Zach Jeffrey. Zach, where do you work? I work at Cargill in Sydney. If you don't have good eyes and that can read the, the patch on his chest, it says Cargill. So um, about how many years have, have you been working at Cargill? Be going on 15 years. 15 years. And when you first started at Cargill, um, what was the position and role that, that you started at? That was just kind of, kind of temp to hire like a day shift, multi-duty kind of cleanup, stocks and stuff for the other lines of the processes and all that. And since has that role shifted for you, and what's that look like? Yeah, so now I've been doing it going on two years as um, the prep extraction crew leader. So basically, a leader of all we have four crews, we're rotating twelve. So basically kind of leading them, help set up the jobs, contractors, how their day goes, stuff, repair, training, mobile equipment training, kind of about everything. So you're, you first started an attempt to hire a job, and now you're actually le- leading about 10 to 15 people every day. Is that right? Did I hear that right? Uh, give or take. There's four, well, six people per shift. I kind of get to see four or five of them per day, but on both sides, it'd be about 20 people altogether, all four shifts. And so that's your responsibility. Yes. Um, man, were you were you ever were you ever late three minutes to work? I'm really curious. 
I think you the don't worst have to... I was ever late was one minute. I was stuck because I was driving from Walpock and there was a car fire on the highway of 75. <laughs> you had a better excuse than I did. Yeah, I Holy would leave Lord. an hour early and it's only a 20 minute drive and I would sometimes only get there five minutes before work just because how bad that stretch of 75 is. And he's a much better man than I. Zach, I think what, what I really want to bring, bring us to here is you receive, you receive Jesus Christ. Your faith in Christ became very, very real to you about five years ago, right? Yes. Um, so when you first started, you were not a believer in Christ at all. You didn't follow him. Uh, you weren't in the scripture. You weren't attending church. How has your faith in Christ informed what you do at work? How has your faith in Jesus and how you've grown and matured in him really made work not just a workplace, but a holy place? Say probably uh, just give you a different perspective of how you see people and how you value people, um, and then also just the way that Jesus leads in the servant leadership. It's the best role model you can follow. And then you know, I got to lead people. You know, you can't really lead people if you're a bad leader. And you know, I want to see people grow because I've had good leaders for myself as well. So. Yeah, you have. So really curious because there are many of us in the room um, that. Their job is not at the church, right? Um, how, what practically do you do to be on mission for Christ in your workplace to impact the people that you work with? I would say I take a different route. So we have a front office. Um, I don't know if anybody really know what Cargill City does. So we crush soybeans. So we have multiple departments all throughout the plant. And then we have a main office hub where we're all at. So... I'll take a different route just to see how people are doing up front. Like, if I walk by, hey, I feel like I need to talk to them, I'll just go, hey, how's your day going? Um, how was your weekend? Just try to keep driving those conversations. And then since I've been there for so long, I know so many people in the field for years. So, like, I work with them on the floor so they know me. I'm on Facebook, so they'll get to see, like, you know, like I'm a local license or I'm starting this, or I'm doing the interviews. So that it kind of helps drive those questions that kind of open up to kind of start talking more about Scripture. And um, also, there's a couple people I have on, I send the verse of the day out to a couple people, which I'm probably going to add a couple more, because that kind of been hitting at me, like, hey, you should add these people. So, so you're, you're really intentional to be relational, and you also have had intentional conversations with people as they as they you've gotten to know them they ask you questions yes so if i kind of have the answer i'll kind of try to help explain it go through scripture if not i'll ask you or i'll try to search it myself um something kind of close with me so my wife and i we experience a loss of our first child and then just having those conversations with the guys in the field i think it's four or five people that i know of now that's happened to them and i'm positive they haven't really told anybody else so just trying to help them with their healing of, say, Sufficient Grace Ministries. Uh, they can help you, give you support. And then also with Morgan's Place, which is right outside of Sydney, that will help with you or your burial costs, no cost of funeral costs and stuff like that. So you're, they're not just employees, and you're not just coworkers. Family. They're, I'm sorry? Family. Family. But you're, you're looking at them through the lens that, that really Scripture encourages us and pushes us to is that 
they're, they're fellow human beings and they're going through a lot of things. So you're really, it's very intentional. It's very relational. You're asking simple things about their life and then that enables you to go deeper. And the pain and loss and even some of the victories in your life, you're able to share that with and find that with those, those folks that you work with. In fact, I, if you were here for his local ministry license when we handed that to him, you you actually had several folks from, from work. Uh, yeah, it was four of them. I mean, I was thinking about inviting him for this, but it was kind of last minute how we changed this. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, they'll, they'll give me a whole bunch of grief on Monday when I tell <laughs> them, hey, I got to do this. Like, oh, we're not good enough to come back. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready for them to pour it on and make me better. Man, I, I want to say thank you. Um, it, this is kind of part of the sermon, so I'm, he's going to sit here for that moment. You know, not everybody's called into ministry, right? Like local ministry through the church. Not everybody's called to be a pastor, right? But all of us who follow Christ are in the ministry. Does that make sense? Ooh, that's a good one. Remember when ever kept asking, hey, you on call for the day? We're always on call. <laughs> Look at you. I kept saying, you'll find out. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. So. We're, we're all in ministry. And Zach, even though he's going to get his local minister's license and hopefully his district license, he's going to start taking classes here this summer. His objective right now is to minister through his vocation, through Cargill. That's his field of mission. Your field of mission is where you work. Can we thank Zach? Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, everyone. Gotcha, man. We heard last week that 90 to 92,000 hours the average American works in their lifetime. If it's consecutive, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that ends up being about 10 10.3 hours. If you do it eight hours a day, seven days a week, that ends up being 30 years of your life. There's this thing called first space, second space, and third space. Your first space is home. Your first disciples are your family. Your husband, your wife, your kids. Those are our first disciples. It's our first space. But it seems to me that if 30 years of our life are spent at the workspace, the second space, and not everybody's called to be a pastor or a missionary or worship director or on staff at a church, that second space, that workspace, that's the holy place where kingdom work happens. Folks, our work is not only worship of our God, but our work is connected to the mission of God. Your work, my work, our workplace is connected to the mission of God. So, how does our workspace become a holy place? We're going to take a moment and if you're willing um, I'd like to ask if, if you're willing and you're capable okay 
I'd ask that you remove your shoes for a moment. Now, please have some social awareness because if you start to see people hold their nose and move away from you, put your shoes back on, okay? But if you could, and you're capable, and you're willing, I'd like for you to just take your shoes off just for a moment. There's a story in Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. Moses. His father-in-law is Jethro. His father-in-law was a priest. Jethro had a lot of sheep. Moses was entrusted with Jethro's sheep to be a shepherd of those sheep. For 40 years, Moses took care of those sheep, those that he was entrusted with. That was his day-in, day-out job. That's what he did. It was similar to the daily grind that many of us do. But it was during a work day where he punched in at the clock and was walking through that desert of beige and tan and oranges and reds and a little green where he was trying to find some water for those sheep in the shadow of a mountain that there was an ordinary bush. He'd seen bushes his whole life as he walked through that desert for 40 years. But in a moment, that bush was consumed by a fire. An angel of the Lord appeared in that burning bush. It was a moment where it struck him. This is a strange sight. I need to go over and look at it. And so, when the Lord saw that Moses went, he called out to Moses. And in that moment, he said, here I am. And the Lord said, don't come any further. To take off your sandals, for where you are standing is holy ground. Ordinary ground. Your second space is ordinary ground. Your cubicle, your workspace, your factory, your office, your classroom, your police cruiser, your meeting room, your interrogation room, wherever. Hopefully not. That's an ordinary space. Where you're sitting is an ordinary space. But ordinary spaces become sacred places, holy spaces, when you recognize the presence of God in that space. It is His presence that makes the place holy and sacred. Scripture teaches that if you have Jesus Christ in your life, the Holy Spirit has now entered your heart and you have become the temple of the living God. And there you carry the kingdom of God wherever you go. And so wherever your feet are becomes a holy, sacred space. Your second space is to be a sacred space, a holy space, where you 
and me are on mission for the people around us. One pull pin out of that first story. I only served as a juvenile probation officer for four and a half years. Again, I was young in my faith. I had no clue what God was going to call me to later. And had I had a clue in that moment, I wouldn't want to do what I'm doing. I probably wouldn't be here. Okay? This was the last on my list, FYI. But it was within that four and a half years that these lessons from the Scripture began to settle in my life. Much like Zach. I was just very intentional. I didn't know what I was doing. I just sensed that this is what I was supposed to do because the Scripture says so. So when there were times in the office that no one was around, I just walked from office to office threshold to threshold of the doorway and I prayed over the people that I worked with and prayed over their workspace prayed over their family just like in Exodus I just prayed the blood over the doorway the blood of Jesus Christ not knowing what would happen within that ten year of four and a half years as a juvenile probation officer I had the privilege of sitting in a church just like you watching that chief and his wife who worked in the same office go under the water and come back out in baptism there were these conversations just like Zach had mentioned these random conversations where people ask questions about scripture about the bible about my faith open doors folks it's not about the catch a fish it's about the catch of people we're all to be fishers of people in the places that we work so will you go on mission this week it's a paradigm shift it truly is a paradigm shift in your mind how you perceive your job it's not just a job it's not just a paycheck it's about the people that God is entrusting you in the place that you work your second space where you spend most of your life a third of your life so with, though, with your feet would you please stand in your space and I would like to end this time with you praying for the people in your workspace would you do that let's just take one moment and if you're retired that's okay would you pray for the people that you know are in the workforce right now please bow your heads and I would just like for you to pray for them pray for their heart, pray for their family pray for their soul
Jesus, it's the love that you have for all of us that motivates me, that pushes me. Especially those days that even as a pastor, it's just kind of mind-numbing sometimes. You just feel like you're beating your head up against the wall with certain things. But it's your love. It's the things behind the scene that we we do so that people can be impacted. Right? That people who are feeling hopeless, who are who are walking through grief, through who loss of a child, through a divorce, through issues with their kids. God, we are to enter in that space as people of, of God and people who have who carry peace with us, people who have light and who have hope, even if sometimes we're even feeling hopeless and a little lost. God, will you empower your people that are in this room, that are hearing my voice? Will you empower us as believers in Christ? And will you begin to shift the way we think about the jobs that we have? They're actually been entrusted to us. And the people in our lives have been entrusted to us. And oh, how we want to see our world change. So Lord, may we all go out as world changers. Influencing the people in our lives. One person, one conversation, one prayer at a time. It's not complicated. It's, it, it's quite simple. shift our mindset and may our workplaces become holy spaces where divine meetings happen and lives change I love you Jesus and I thank you and God may our work actually be fruitful on both ends as well. I love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray today. Amen. Folks, may you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself. Have a wonderful Sunday. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future He has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community, and to love people to Jesus.